Remember George Burns? He never stopped living. When he was 100 years old, he said, I was taught to respect my elders, but there aren't any left. <laughs> and when he was 65, he said, retire at 65. I had pimples then. He just went on and on. But other people retire real fast, and other people lose life real fast. This major league pitcher, uh, Justin Miller, who recently died at the age of 35, just yesterday, he said, you know, he just died. Man in his health, a physical athlete, up and died. His wife said, interestingly enough, this is what she said. I think he'd want the world to know that he always did his best at work and at being a dad. He, he always tried. What she was saying was, she thinks he finished strong. And that's a fine thing for someone to say at your death. We have attitudes that are affected by our society about the aging process. In our society, as you age, you are normally seen to have less ability to function. And so you're not always respected as much as younger people. In fact, it's kind of gone amok at times when people just don't understand that as you age, basically, you're the same person. Unless you really have mental decline, you're the same person you always were. You just aged. I once had a lady from Korea on, on my 70th birthday. Um, my wife and I were down in Dallas, and we were having dinner in my daughter and son-in-law's house, and they had a guest at their table who was a professor from Korea, because my daughter works at SMU, Southern Methodist University, and this was a guest professor. And she knew that it was my birthday, I was 70, and she said to me, well, tell me what the important things of life are for you. And I said to myself, she's from Korea. Nobody in America asks me that, because I'm 70. They ask somebody who's 40 or 30, because that's the way it is in our society. We like the young, we like the technological, we like the latest thing. Businesses have to compete with one another, and if the business has been in, in, in business for 70 years, it doesn't mean much in our society, because if a better product comes along, we'll try that next. Okay. We're just a very rapidly changing society, and we don't, have, we don't get stuck in, 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 in holding on to anything, including age. We just don't get stuck there. I had a financial advisor say to me one time, you know, Gary, your wife and you, you, you've saved some money and you've invested and you're okay. You'll get along okay. Why don't you retire and do what you want to do? And I said, I'm doing it. There are times in life when work is just a blessing and you don't want to stop. And sometimes you have to stop because the company phases you out and says, you're done. Or they say, your department is being reorganized and there is no place for you. And we know what that really means. It just means that you're done with them. Sometimes that happens in life. Warren Buffett. Why does Warren Buffett get up and go to work? He's 80 years old. He's 83. He's worth 60 billion. I can't even comprehend that much money. But he gets up and goes to work and lives in the same house he did in 1958. 
because he likes the challenge of going to work. He likes to get up in the morning. He likes the structure. He likes getting going. He likes, it's, to him, it's a mathematical problem. How do I invest? How do I make things happen? How can I make a company grow? How can I figure out if this is a good company or this is a bad company? And because it's a mathematical thing that he enjoys, he just continues on. Not all jobs are like that. If you have a supervisor who is on your back continually, you're never doing well enough. And they always act as though you're dumb. And they do that year, day after day, month after month. You probably are ready to retire at 65, you see. Because sometimes the, the conditions under which we work lead us to want to just leave them and get out. But having an attitude about life, how do we finish strong? How do we, you know, for that Miller, Justin Miller, he didn't get a chance to think about finishing because it's just life, and sometimes life just stops. And other times, you have time to think about what it is to finish. How do you want to finish it? And then you have time to prepare, to think about it. And that's what happens to most of us. We have some time to think about finishing life. How do we finish projects, and how do we go on, and what works for us, and what doesn't work for us? Well, I have some stats that I want to put, on, put up here about retirement and people working. And uh, the, the first thing we note in these stats, uh, if they could put them on the screen, please, is that... Uh, so it says 70% of people over 65 do some type of work. That's, a, that's, a, uh, that, that's taking in anything you do, but, it, but it's not really working. It, it should be 15%. That's a mistake on my part to have that up there. So it's really 15% of people over 65 do some type of work. 29% do it because they're just interested or they enjoy working. 22% need the income, so they continue to work. 11% want to start a new business or a career like Colonel Sanders, who's happened to really do well. 6% uh, want to retire by doing something else. Uh, you know, maybe you've always, uh, I've always had a fascination about real estate, but I never went and did it. But I've always had a fascination for it. And if you would say, you say what, what would you like to just do as a hobby if it didn't take so much work to figure it out? Oh, probably real estate. And then 2%. Don't plan to retire, they just plan to work. That's the way it was with my father. He worked till he had a little stroke and couldn't work. And 2% don't really know when they ask him the question. So you have all those stats up there, and you see people work for different reasons or different concepts, and, and then sometimes our health decides whether or not we are going to work. A new study put out by AARP says that 40% of baby boomers expect to work until they drop. At least that's what, that was the category that they said they would be in. And mostly that's due to finances because people worry today more than they have worried in the past about whether or not they'll have enough money. There are less pensions out there and now we're supposed to save on our own and have our own IRAs and our own annuities and you know how we Americans like to spend money. So it becomes a real problem. The average 50-year-old only has $44,000 in the bank. And 80% of the people who are 50 today believe they won't have enough money when they retire. But there's a second reason why people work, and that's a desire for a balanced life. 
Malcolm Forbes once said, retirement kills more people than work ever did. <laughs> and what he was saying was, you have to stay active. You can't just go sit down. I, I remember one time I was, I was had, I had a congregation in Indianapolis, and I looked out, and I saw this man out in the congregation, and he just looked ashen gray. And I thought, well, that's something's wrong. When he walked out the door, I said to him, how you doing? He said, great, I retired two months ago. He was a pharmacist on his feet all the time. And he went home and sat down and didn't get up again. Our bodies aren't made to have that sudden change to inactivity. He was ashen gray, and he really looked sick. In Great Britain recently, they took a survey. And what they found is that retirement is bad for people. Interestingly enough, they, the government took this survey, and they found that retirement triggers a decline in mental and physical health in people, and then when they didn't retire, they would not have that decline triggered. They may have mental and physical health gradually become waned because that's life. But that retirement actually triggered it. So in Great Britain, the number of people who are continuing to work is rising by 10% each year after they reach the age of retirement because people are saying, I don't want to decline in my mental or physical ability, so I'll just keep working. But this all goes back to us Christians now as we talk about how do we finish strong? What does it mean to finish strong in life? To finish strong in life, first of all, seems to me that we see life as this ongoing gift of God. It's a continuum. It's not something, you know, I'll do this and then I'll stop. It's like getting married and then never working on your marriage. As though somehow it would last forever. You know, so. Or going to work, starting a job, and then doing it so poorly we get fired. Now, some people go through this, these type of cycles, but they don't go anywhere for them, you know. Life is an ongoing gift of God. And you know in the Old Testament, when, in the book of Genesis, when God put man and woman in the garden, he said he put them there to till and to keep the garden. Well, that was before the fall into sin. They're supposed to take care of the garden. Because work was a blessing. And life was a blessing. Life is the only thing that was added on to one of the commandments, long life. The fourth commandment says, you shall honor your father and your mother that it may be well for you and that you may live long on the earth. That long life is a blessing. Somebody asked me the other day, do you mind telling me how old you are? And I said, of course not. I'm 73. It's such a great blessing. Why would I not want to tell you? Because life is a blessing. It's an ongoing gift of God for us human beings. Now we need to talk about Elisha. Because Elisha is our model tonight as we end up this whole series and talking about how he finished his life. And it's interesting because in Scripture it talks about the end of Elisha's life. It doesn't talk about you know, it doesn't say exactly what he had for his illness or anything, uh, the type of thing that we very often are scientifically interested, but it talks about his ending. So if you'll take your red Bibles, please, 
you take a copy of your red bible please open it up to second kings chapter 13 chapter 13 verse oh and it's on page 372 page 372 in your red bible that's the easiest thing 372 and in fact it's on 373 is where where we are because it's second kings chapter 13 uh, verse 14 and i want to read it here and i'll just comment on it as i go by it now elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died so we would say today elisha had a terminal illness okay jehoash the king of israel went down to see him and wept over him and they must have been close uh, jehoash must have been felt dear to elisha as, as this prophet this great man of god and the end joash said my father my father he cried the chariots and horsemen of israel now if you remember two weeks ago when we talked about three weeks ago when we talked about elijah and elisha we said elijah and he and found elisha and elijah found one another elisha was the understudy Elijah was ending his life or his life would come to an end because of age and that at the moment when Elijah left this world Elisha was with him and suddenly there were these these chariots a chariot of fire and horses of fire and they swept down and just took Elijah and took him up into heaven at that point Elisha said my father my father the chariots and horsemen of israel and so now this king comes to weep at elisha's bedside and says the same words you see now it's time for the lord to take elisha so it's a reminder that he takes elijah the prophet then he takes elisha and as god will now take him to himself that's what he's saying Verse 15, Elisha said, instead of saying, good to see you, I'm so glad you came, he said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel, and when he had taken, Elisha put his hand on the king's hands. Now, that's normally a sign of blessing. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus took the little children in his arms and he blessed them. And you put your hand on somebody and you bless them. You know, when we prayed before, I put my arms on, on Ryan and on Christy simply because uh, that's, what, that's what people of God do with, it, with this, this hand. So he puts his hand on his hand and then, he, and then he says to him, open the east window. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Well, here Elisha is on his deathbed. Well, at least he's very ill. He's, he has this illness from which he will eventually die. Uh, but he's giving a prophecy. He's trying to lift up this king and tell him what's going to happen. And then he said to the king, take the arrows and the king took them and elisha told him strike the ground and the king struck the ground three times and stopped 
But the man of God, Elisha, was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times, and then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it, but now you would defeat it only three times. What he was saying was, I'm the old prophet, and you aren't taking me seriously. And if you would have had more enthusiasm about what I'm saying, because my words are still powerful, then you would have defeated this enemy completely. But because you're just taking my words lightly, treating me like I'm an old age person rather than respect as a prophet, you're not going to defeat him. You, it's, it's not going to be that easy for you. And, you know, you will defeat him only three times and then that will be it. But you will not have really overcome that enemy. Then the Bible says, Elisha died, and he was buried. Now, when you get ill, and if you are ill, it's important that you don't see yourself as somebody just to be taken care of, but that you also are always ministering to the people around you, that you always care, even if you have anger in your heart or pain in your heart, or wherever your pain might be, that somehow you still have care for those people, that you still have sensitivity because you're still a human being, you're still the Jesus person. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's how we are as people, wherever we are. So Elisha's on his deathbed, but he's still doing his job. He's just, he still wants to give a word of prophecy. He still wants to give a word of blessing and put his hand on the king's hand so the king will be blessed by God. He wants to convey what he could for that man. What a blessing it was. And then he gave the prophecy and then the Bible said he died and was buried. So that's the first thing is that we take life and receive life and work as a blessing of God and always stand for that as people of God. And the second thing, finishing strong, is that we, we continue to function in the capacity that God gives us. Now, for him, that capacity was he could still prophesy, he could still bless, he could still say kind words, and he could still lift up the king before his death. May not seem much to us, but it meant a lot to that king, and it got recorded. Finishing strong means we continue to take the challenge wherever we are. Whatever type of breath we have left, whether it's age or illness, our words are still powerful. We have people in this congregation who do all kinds of volunteer work, and I call them finishing strong. We have people who come in and keep stats on on people and track them and say, you know, how can we help this person? Here's the record. Uh, do this. Do it. And then, and then we, we work together. Some people come in to count money. We have people who go to the inner city and work with sports teams. We have people who, you know, go to Moore, down to Moore, Oklahoma, and, and some of those retirees. Our retirees very often are involved in all different kinds of functions. And people, some people work. And we have people who are caregivers. We have a caregivers group. And those caregivers taking care of a loved one, when you do that, you are finishing strong. And you're helping that other person to finish strong. 
to be surrounded by the love of Jesus through the simple daily care of putting up with one another, praying for one another, helping one another with the daily things of life when we cannot do it anymore. That's finishing strong. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It can be doing the work of Jesus, being the hands of Jesus. Because that's what people of God are. Now, it's important that we seek to maintain a balanced life as much as possible. And a balanced life means we have the following things in life. We have structure in life. We have daily predictability. And uh, we, we get out of bed and we have an orderliness. And we still, no matter what part of our life, we're still having challenges and goals. And we still have a, have a, a budget. And we still have a schedule of some sort. And we have a reason to get out of bed. Very important. Secondly, it's important that we, we continue to have stress in life. And if we don't have any stress, that we create some. So I know that most of life we're getting away from stress. But stress, we need stress to keep us going, to keep us alive so we can finish strong. If you do mental stress, read, do creative things with your mind, you keep your mind active. If you do physical stress, and we've had people run marathons in their 80s, <laughs> they look good, don't they? Because <laughs> their body's still functioning. Physical stress, physical exertion, all the studies, the studies, I don't have to tell these studies because they're all over. You read them in your, in your art magazine or, or you read them in the newspaper or you read them online, they all say the same thing if you want to have a good life and maintain, then you have to have some stress in your life and you have to cause the stress. Make a garden out in the backyard. Visit someone that you love. Paint every room in the house, you see. <laughs> if you can. And the third thing is we need selflessness. Going beyond ourselves. Nietzsche once said, if, if a person has a why to live, he can bear with almost anything. I normally don't quote Nietzsche, but that was a good one. Like, if you have a reason, if there's some significance in your life, there's a reason for you to be because you're a Christian man or Christian woman. Life will get better and you'd be surprised how great it might be for you. Now, I have two, I ran into two different opposite or, or different types of scenarios last week and I just want to mention them before I stop tonight. There are two different scenarios of two different people. The first scenario was a man and his wife, and they're living in a they're living outside of Charleston in the, the, the barrier reefs. They used to be barrier reefs, and now they made them into multi-million dollar homes and a community that's right on the ocean, very much on the ocean sign half a block away from the house said watch out for the alligators yes okay and this man had done well in life we were having lunch at the beach club which to which they belong and he said he was started going on about the restaurants all the best restaurants where the best restaurants were what the best items that they had. And he was so excited about the restaurants. I said to myself, he's a real retired man. 
I don't get on to food that much, okay? So I thought, well, if you're bored, change the subject. So I said, I understand that you mentor children at a school. Is that true? And he said, yes, I do. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. I, a group of us have gone to this public school, and what we decided was that the children who are really low on, on the academic level, they get help. The children who are above the midpoint, they don't need help. But there are a lot of midpoint children that could really help from having some mentoring or tutoring. So a group of us go in on Thursdays, and we mentor and tutor middle students to try to rise them so that they can be upper middle students or even upper students, superior students. He says, in fact, we have raised the testing stats of that school significantly, and now other people want to know if they, how they can replicate what we do with those students in another school. But the interesting thing was, and then we went on to talk about tires or something. I'm not sure. It just it floated off. You know how, how the conversations float off when you think, oh, that's so interesting to me, but then it floated away. But the interesting thing was, he was much more enthused about the restaurants than he was about this work he was doing. And I was thinking, man, you're really doing something great. Finishing strong is to recognize that when you're doing something for great to help people, it's, it's a blessing and it's the most important thing you're doing. Now, sometimes we have to create those situations. And sometimes God blesses us by giving us situations where we can finish strong and it's not even a problem. You see, besides that person that my wife and I visited, we also visited my sister and my brother-in-law, who, who live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And my brother-in-law's had Parkinson's for 20 years. And my sister's main job, since they've chosen to keep him at home, is to make sure he doesn't fall when he gets up, when he gets up in the morning and walks to the bathroom, when he walks from the bathroom to the breakfast table, when he walks from the breakfast table to his chair, because he just can't walk anymore. It's a full-time job. Most people would say, she's not blessed. The guy that's really blessed is the guy in the multi-million dollar house in the swamp, okay, and on the beach club, talking about the restaurants. But this woman, well, <laughs> she's got to take care of her husband. Well, let me tell you something. My sister is the same woman she was 20 years ago. She still has structure in life and significance. And she still has meaning when she gets up for her day. She's a nurse, so she has a little bit of gumption. She still has selflessness. She doesn't complain, hardly at all. Sometimes it gets, it's really hard and gets on her nerves and, and it's, it's difficult and she says so, but she doesn't sit around and complain. She doesn't talk about her aches and pains. She's 76 years old. You can't tell me she doesn't have any aches and pains because everybody gets arthritis sooner or later, it seems. She's selfless and she's taking care of the man she loves. 
He has all the things that you don't have to strive to put back into life here because God has blessed her with a scenario where she can finish strong and not even think about it. I think she's the one with the greatest blessing because she's finishing strong. And I think that's what it's all about. And that's what Elisha was about. And, and that's what it is for us as people of God. We, we go through life and we don't know when life will stop, but we do want to finish strong up to that point. We do want to do what we can so that we have, we have somehow significant thought process about the value of life and the value of having a Savior and the value of being able to take our prayers to the cross and the value of living in grace and the value of even being not afraid to look at death because we just don't fear it anymore. But the value of going through life selflessly and not selfishly, caring for others and not just trying to make it better for me. That's what I call finishing strong. Jesus once said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I know when we read the Beatitudes, usually we don't believe them. We say they're great thoughts. But we usually don't believe them. Because we don't see things from God's point of view. We only see things from our point of view. <laughs> We're much more impressed with the multi-million dollar home than we are with helping someone who needs help. Blessed are the poor in spirit, says Jesus. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. And, and blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God's great mercy in Jesus. They will know it. They will know it because they're blessed. Paul said it this way. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what will I choose? I don't know. <laughs> I'm torn between the two. I, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's far more necessary for me to just be right here with you. That's what Paul said, right here with you. Finishing strong, just doing the work of Jesus, just being the beloved of God, and repenting of sin, trusting in the Lord, holding fast to the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And then, either way, we, we are blessed. And the people around us, will see Jesus. And that's finishing strong. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we do not know how long life will be. We, we, we seek to serve you day by day, but we just don't know how long it will be. You know that. We don't know that. Help us to live life meaningfully, hopefully, Christ-centered. Help us to do the things which, which are meaningful to the people around us. Help us to convey Jesus just by who we are, by doing right things, holding to right values in life, and holding to Christ's love. 
however our long our life is, however the length of it, help us to finish strong, not for our sake, but for the people around us that somehow when they remember us, they remember someone who trusted in Jesus, who cared about them, and who wanted their life to be a testimony to the love of God. Bless us as we go forward in life. Show us the way and grant that we may rest in your care. In the name of our Lord. Amen.